Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at c-u-e-a-n-d-r-e-v-i-e-w.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Times Sport, September 26. Nick Rogers says it is crunch time for Scots, Gallagher and Drysdale. Regular readers will be delighted to know that my gammy back is not so gammy anymore. In last week's haverings on this page, I explained in extraordinary and unnecessary detail how my dodgy dorsal was impacting on the production process of the column. It was not an agonising pain, more accumulatively infuriating, like sitting on a budget airline flight while a toddler continually kicks the back of your seat for the duration of the journey. Anyway, through a mystifying combination of alternative medicines, ancient therapies, absurd quackery, illegal remedies and appalling expletives, your correspondent is back to full fitness. You've no excuse this week then, chirped the sports editor, as he anticipated a literary masterpiece coming his way, only to be confronted by the usual garbled monstrosity that's as awkward to digest as some of the more intrepid illustrations in the Kama Sutra. I think I can feel another twinge in my coccyx, came my lame excuse of whimpering desperation. Talking of desperation, it's getting to the crunch time for a couple of hardy Scottish perennials on the DP World Tour. Between them, sturdy stalwarts Stephen Gallagher and David Drysdale have racked up 1,190 appearances on the old European circuit, but their full status on the main tour now hangs in the balance. This week's big money, Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship at St Andrews, Carnoustie and Kings Barnes is not quite the last chance saloon. There are four more regular events to come on the circuit after this week's showpiece. But the clock continues to tick-tock away like that oversized timepiece on an episode of Countdown. While a new generation of 20-somethings like Robert McIntyre, Ewan Ferguson and Connor Syme are flying the salt tyre in the upper echelons and are all nicely tucked inside the top 50 of the DP World Tour rankings. Old Hands, Drysdale and Gallagher, the Dunhill Lynx champion in 2004, are languishing at 178th and 201st, respectively, on the money list, 
with the leading 120 safeguarding their playing rights for next year. Having made just 15 cuts between them from a combined 47 events this year, the form book of these two 47-year-olds is about as encouraging as the performance of the pound against the dollar. But the Dunhill links and its home comforts has often been the saviour of many a Scottish season down the years. In 2009, for instance, Richie Ramsey finished fourth to save his card, while Fife's George Murray's third-place finish in 2011 did the same for him. Chris Doak's fifth-place finish in 2014 propelled him into the safety zone of the top 100 on the circuit's order of merit, while Mark Warren got his full playing rights back in 2011 by finishing fifth, while another fifth place in 2016 changed his whole year. It just takes one good week, and all the other weeks of toil and trouble can be forgotten. Gallagher and Drysdale will be clinging to that crumb of comfort as they try to pull a big result out of the bag. This week's celebration of Lynx Golf features a star-studded field headlined by the likes of Rory McIlroy, Matt Fitzpatrick and Shane Lowry. Even though the celebrity-infused pro-am format ensures an agonising pace of play that's broadly equivalent to long-term coastal erosion. In an age of all-action innovation and spectator engagement, the Dunhill sits somewhat uneasily in these rapid-fire times, with rounds creaking and clanking towards the six-hour mark. Players and spectators are out on the links so long they're just about covered in a light dusting of stour by the time it's all done. For the global golfing superstars, this can be a relatively relaxing end-of-season hit and giggle, albeit one that comes with a mighty prize fund. For those in danger of losing their two cards, though, it's a bit trickier to adopt the jovial smile-for-the-cameras pro-am approach when your status is on the line. Then again, the peculiarity of the format and the presence of amateur partners to blether away to while waiting on the green to clear may just be a welcome distraction from the week-to-week worry of peering at a downbeat order of merit position. The likes of Drysdale and Gallagher We'll be hoping the links effect can provide some salvation. And another thing. The first event this wet behind the ears scribe covered as a fledgling golf reporter some 22 years ago was the Wishaw 36-hole pro-am on the Tartan Tour. The man who won it had been around the scene a bit longer. Russell Weir, who sadly passed away last week at the age of 71, was closing in on 50 when he won that particular title, but the advancing years were never a barrier to success. 
a mighty figure on the domestic circuit and beyond. Russell's competitive longevity and consistency was underlined by over 100 wins on the Tartan Tour, as well as eight successive appearances for Great Britain and Ireland in the PGA Cup. His regular sprints for the last ferry home to Dunoon after various events added to the weird legend. The long-serving club pro at Cowell, Russell was a great standard bearer for the values and qualities of the PGA professional. The tributes that have been made in recent days speak volumes for him as a gentleman and a golfer and his life and times will be rightly cherished, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport, September 27 Rangers fined for price fixing on official merchandise. Report by Aidan Smith Rangers have been fined alongside JD Sports and Elite Sports by the Competition and Markets Authority, CMA, after being found guilty of price fixing on official merchandise. An investigation found that Elite Sports and JD Sports broke competition law by fixing the retail prices of a number of Rangers branded replica kits and other clothing products from September 2018 until July 2019. The Ibrox Club also took part in the collusion, but only to the extent of fixing the retail price of adult home short-sleeved replica shirts from September 2018 to mid-November 2018. All three firms colluded to stop JD Sports from undercutting the retail price of the shirt on Elite's Jers online store. Elite Sports has been fined £459,000, JD Sports £1,485,000 and Rangers £225,000. The penalties include a settlement discount reflecting resource savings to the CMA as a result of all three parties admitting to acting illegally and helping bring a swifter resolution to the CMA's investigation. Elite Sports and JD Sports penalties also include a discount for coming forward with information about their participation in the illegal conduct and cooperating with the investigation under the CMA's leniency programme. Michael Grenfell, Executive Director of Enforcement at the CMA, said, At a time when many people are worried about the rising cost of living, it is important that football fans are able to benefit from competitively priced merchandise. Instead, Elite, JD Sports and, to some extent, Rangers work together to keep prices high. Today's decision sends a clear message to football clubs and other businesses that illegal anti-competitive collusion will not be tolerated. Report 
by Aidan Smith. Evening Times Sport September 27 Steve Clark tells Scotland stand-ins to seize their chance. Report by Matthew Lindsay Steve Clark is sweating over the fitness of four key players ahead of Scotland's final Nations League game against Ukraine here in Poland tonight after a virus swept through his already injury-ravaged squad. Lyndon Dykes and Stuart Armstrong failed to take part in the national team's training session at Oriam outside Edinburgh yesterday due to a sickness bug. Che Adams and Greg Taylor also felt unwell, but they were able to take part in the final workout before the Group 1 match in Krakow. Clark lost Scott McKenna knee strain and Kieran Tierney concussion protocols on Sunday, while Scott McTominay is suspended after picking up a booking in the win over the Republic of Ireland on Saturday. The Scotland manager estimates he is now without no fewer than 16 men for a game his side have to pick up a point in to top their section clinch a Euro 2024 playoff spot and win promotion to League A. However, he has backed the players who will feature to rise to the occasion and help their country to record the result they require. Said Clark, we seem to have a little viral infection in the camp. Ryan Fraser actually had it the other night. He was up sick during the night before the island game. Overnight, we have had a few more feeling a little bit under the weather. They haven't all been sick. But Lyndon Dykes and Stuart Armstrong did not train because they had been sick in the night. We gave them a bit of time to recover. One or two of the staff members have not been feeling too great. So there seems to be a little bit of a virus in the camp. We have obviously got to manage and monitor the situation. If it goes the same way as it did for Ryan, it is less than 24 hours and then they're okay. So fingers crossed nobody else picks it up. Che Adams and Greg Taylor are two who have felt under the weather, but they wanted to train. They came outside this morning, but Lyndon and Stuart did not feel as though training was the best thing to do. But they'll all travel. It's been different. We have obviously picked up a lot of injuries too. I was totting up the injuries the other day, and from my expanded pool of players I am missing something like 16 players. That's quite a lot. As always in this kind of situation, you tend to find it's the one position that's targeted and it's one very general position, and that's in defence. We have lost a lot of defenders and a few forwards as well. But in this situation, I always say it's not about the ones who have dropped out. It's about the ones who are here and can step in. It's a great chance for them to show everybody what they're all about.
Clark will be able to field Aaron Hickey, the Brentford defender who limped off in the second half of the 2-1 triumph over Ireland at weekend after feeling his hamstring tighten up. Said Clark, the good news is that Aaron Hickey trained this morning and it seems we made the right decision in taking him off when we did the other night. It's good he is available. We also have Tony Ralston and Josh Doig, who has looked good in training. Like I say, it's now down to those boys to step forward and make their mark in the team. Report by Matthew Lindsay Evening Times Sport, September 27 SPFL clinch new long-term Sky broadcast deal Report by Chris Jack The SPFL are set to announce a new long-term broadcast deal with Sky Sports after dismissing objections from Rangers over the £150 million offer on the table to screen our national game. Sky will continue as the sole holder of rights for Premiership fixtures after striking an agreement that will begin from the summer of 2024 and run until the end of the 2028-29 campaign. Livingston had also expressed reservations over the proposal, but a meeting scheduled for Tuesday has now been cancelled after the league informed clubs that the deal, hailed as the largest single commercial contract in the history of Scottish League football, can now be rubber stamped in the coming days. Chairman Murdoch McLennan confirmed the development to clubs across all four divisions and in an email said, I am pleased to be able to advise you that the commercial resolution in respect of the proposal from Sky has now been approved by Cinch Premiership Clubs and that the qualified resolution amending the SPFL rules to accommodate the Sky proposal has also been approved. Thank you for your support of this important rule change. The extended contract with Sky will underpin the finances of the SPFL for the next seven years in the face of what appears to be strengthening economic headwinds. Over the coming days, we will look to contract with Sky and to announce the extension, which by value will be by far the largest single commercial contract in the history of Scottish League football. Stuart Robertson, the Rangers Managing Director, criticised the SPL once again last week and claimed that the rights package was undervalued as he drew comparisons to the contracts that are in place across similar sized leagues on the continent. Those suggestions were rebuffed on Sunday as Aberdeen chairman Dave Cormack launched a fierce defence of the deal that Neil Doncaster, the SPFL chief executive, has negotiated on behalf of member clubs. A motion from the SPFL required an 11 to 1 majority to be passed as the Hamden hierarchy shifted the goalposts 
After all, Premiership clubs were asked to sign a waiver, agreeing to let Sky increase the number of home games shown from each ground, from four to five. Rangers refused to support that initial motion, as they demanded an apology from the league over their handling of the controversial Singe sponsorship deal and agreed to foot the legal bill that was run up as Ibrox chairman Douglas Park took on the SPFL and won in court. That saw Doncaster put forward a second resolution and the backing of 11 premiership clubs has been enough to see the Sky deal which will see payments increase to £30 million per season by 2028-29, accepted as the broadcaster gets set to extend its coverage of our game once again. Sky will also have an option on further packages of fixtures that could take their total to 80 live games per season and be worth up to £38 million each term to the SPFL. Report by Chris Jack Evening Times Sport, September 28 Three talkers as Scotland secure Nations League promotion Report by Ewan Payton League A, here we go Scotland are headed for Section A of the Nations League in the next edition of the UEFA competition, Steve Clark's side will be among the big boys of European football. To make it even sweeter, last night's draw confirmed that Scotland will leapfrog both England and Wales, who were relegated to Section B. Perhaps even more importantly though, as winners of the Nations League group, a Euro 2024 playoff spot has been secured. Scotland will be in pot two of the qualification draw for the next European Championships, which adds to Scotland's favour even further. It was far from pretty, but the goalless draw was a huge result for the Scots. Ryan Porteous makes international debut. The Hibs star was selected for his Scotland debut from the start in this one. The 23-year-old partner Jack Hendry as part of a back four for Clark's side, with Greg Taylor and Aaron Hickey filling in at fullback. The defence was almost unrecognisable from last week's game against Ukraine in Glasgow. The Hibs defender showed his qualities in several moments during the stalemate. His ability to read the game, step out of the defence, and his pace were clearly evident throughout. Porteous definitely has the attributes to be able to carve out a career in the national team setup going forward. This was a positive, solid start for the Easter Road fans' favourite. Getting off lightly from Ukraine frontline. The well-documented selection issues posed to Clark shone through when the team news was announced an hour before kickoff. There is undoubtedly good depth within the Scotland squad. The drop-off in quality was still on show at times, however, 
particularly during the first half. Scotland had their moments, but Ukraine were definitely the better team. They passed up a glut of golden opportunities to score with an open goal, one-on-one, and free header, all missed. Of course, it wasn't just poor misses from the Ukrainians. Craig Gordon pulled off some good saves too. Ukraine have some very talented players, and they could easily have made Scotland pay. Thankfully, it didn't matter in the end, as Scotland held out for what was required. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport September 28 Steve Clark lauds his Scotland players after goalless draw in Poland. Report by Matthew Lindsay Steve Clark lauded his Scotland players after they ground out a gutsy goalless draw with Ukraine in Poland to top their Nations League section and land a Euro 2024 playoff spot. The national team just needed to take a point from their final Group B1 match to achieve their objective. However, Clark was missing a raft of key players due to injury and suspension, and was forced to hand uncapped Hibs centre-half Ryan Poachers his international debut. Poachers more than justified his selection and helped Scotland to keep a clean sheet against the Euro 2020 quarter-finalists. Scotland will now be in pot two when the draw for the Euro 2024 qualifying stages is made in Frankfurt next month. They have also won promotion to the A-League and will join the likes of Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Portugal and Spain in the elite groups of the competition in 2024. Clark, whose preparations were further complicated by a sickness bug which swept through his squad last week, admitted he was proud of his size display. He said, It's a big night. We wanted to win the section. We wanted to show people what happened in the summer, losing to Ukraine and the Republic of Ireland in the Qatar 2022 playoff semi-final and Nations League respectively, was not us. We wanted to be better this week. We pressed the big button to reset and go again, and we came up with three fantastic performances, all different but all vital. I do not think we expected anything else, to be honest. Ukraine are a very, very good team. We knew we would have moments in the game. We knew there would be moments when we asked Craig Gordon to make big saves, and he did that as he always does. Porteous was outstanding for a debut. I am so pleased for the boy. It shows that he listens. It shows that he learns. But I'm also pleased for Jack Henry. It was a big ask for Jack. Everyone expects Callum McGregor to play three games in a short space of time at that intensity. Everyone expects John McGinn to do that. I had to ask Jack to do that as well, again. He was struggling a bit with a cold, but his performance was outstanding. 
like it was in all three games. Nice to get a clean sheet again. It makes me happy as a coach. Maybe I over-egged the illness bit a wee bit, just to galvanise us going into the game. The illnesses were there. What I was mindful of was if someone had woken up this morning with the same bug, then they probably would not have played tonight. In terms of moving on, I spoke about it earlier. I sat down with my whole staff and said we had to set a different environment and be more demanding of the players and we have to push that agenda. And then I sat with the players and went through what we thought we did well in the summer and what we didn't do so well. We gave them a lot of information to chance the system and play a slightly different way. They took it on board and we have had a really good week. Now we are in pot two and in the A-League, but we don't want to stop. We want to try and get better and better. Clark's current deal with the SFA expires before Scotland joins Europe's elite countries in the A-League of the Nations League. My contract is up before the next one, he joked. I'm just mentioning it. I've always said these players want to do really well for their country. They show that every time. At times it doesn't work for us, but they are always determined to do well. We went to Serbia and we got the result in the playoff to take us to our first major finals in such a long time. We then had a really good group campaign in the World Cup and we came up just short in the playoff. We had the European Championships where we took it to the last game and came up short in the last game. We have done it again tonight. We have taken this campaign to the last game. I asked the players to take the next step to show everybody we are improving. I didn't use the words glorious failure, but I said, let's make sure we take the next step because then we will feel good about ourselves. The supporters tonight were magnificent. They can go away feeling great. The connection between the supporters and the players is fantastic. That's what we are working towards. Now we have reached pot two. Now we are in the A group of the Nations League and we don't want to stop. We want to keep getting better. Ukraine manager Alexander Petrikov, whose team would have topped the group if they had won, felt that a goal was all that was lacking from his team's performance and he said, I am satisfied with my players' performance, but at the end of the 90 minutes they failed to score and that is all that matters. Report by Matthew Lindsay Evening Times Sport, September 28. Nathan Patterson Injury Update. Report by Aidan Smith. Everton have confirmed that Nathan Patterson will be out for four to five weeks with an ankle injury. The former Rangers youngster was stretched off for Scotland against Ukraine last week. A club statement read, Everton defender Nathan Patterson is expected to be out for around four or five weeks with an ankle injury.
the 20-year-old right-back was forced off while on international duty during Scotland's Nations League win over Ukraine at Hampden Park last Wednesday. Following a consultation with a specialist in London, Patterson will now undergo treatment under the care of Everton's medical team. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Time Sport, September 28 Ryan Porteous thrilled to have finally seized his Scotland chance. Report by James Kearney Ryan Porteous enjoyed a dream debut for Scotland after being pitched into Steve Clark's starting eleven for the goalless draw away to Ukraine that secured the national team's status as Nations League Group B1 winners. And the Hibs centre-half was thrilled to be able to reflect on a job well done after the full-time whistle. The 23-year-old put in an assured and mature performance on a night where it was needed most after a combination of injuries and suspensions kept Andy Robertson, Kieran Tierney, Nathan Patterson, Scott McKenna, Grant Hanley and Scott McTominay out of the squad, leaving Clark short of options at the back. Porteous was given the nod on a night where the Scots only required a point to seal the promotion in the Nations League and secure second seeding for the upcoming qualifiers for the 2024 European Championships, as well as a playoff berth for the tournament should they fail to qualify via the conventional route. He played an important role as Scotland battled for a hard-earned point in Krakow. It was a coming-of-age moment from a player that has threatened for quite some time. Porteous looked right at home in the international arena, and now that he has finally gained a cap, having been involved in previous squads without making an appearance, he is pleased to have given a good account of himself. He told the national team's YouTube channel, It was everything that I hoped it would be, and more. I have been lucky enough to be involved in a few squads, and to see this group grow into a fantastic team who have got massive results. I was itching to get into that starting eleven, and luckily, due to injuries and suspensions, I have managed to force my way in there, and I'm glad that I have taken my chance. I was looking forward to it. The manager has always put a lot of faith in me. It is a good back four, and you have got players playing at the highest level, Champions League, Premier League, and for me to slip in there, it was easy enough to go in there and play next to good players. Obviously I just had to concentrate on myself, but I thought it was a good game. I am just delighted to come away with a result as well. The nature of the goalless draw with Ukraine where the home side had the Scots pinned back and subjected them to wave after wave of attack towards the end of the contest, made for uncomfortable viewing for Scotland supporters. Porteous, however, relished the stern examination 
of his defensive ability. He said, maybe holding on for the last 15 minutes was not enjoyable, but that's kind of my best attribute. Defense of things, sitting in and playing when we need to. To be fair to a man, I thought we were very good defensively. We could have probably shown a bit more going forward, but we came to Poland to do a job and we've done it. The point gained in Krakow secured top spot in Group B1 for Scotland, who have now been promoted to the A-band for the next edition of the competition. Given that Clark and his players were competing in the third tier of the Nations League during the tournament's inaugural run two years ago, it is no mean feat. Porteous added, it's been brilliant. A lot of people have said it, and I'm not just following the group by saying it. How far this group has come, how far the squad has come under the gaffer. I'm just delighted to be part of it finally. Report by James Kearney Evening Times Sport, September 28 Worst Tackle Ever Report by Aidan Smith Andy Halliday has revealed a surprising Rangers training ground clash between Jordan Rossiter and Bruno Alves following one of the worst tackles he has ever seen. The flashpoint took place after Rossiter returned from a series of injuries and Alves went in hard to welcome him back into the first team squad. Former Liverpool midfielder Rossiter then got one back on the Portuguese star, but Halliday admits it was not pleasant viewing for their teammates. He told Open Goal, Alves smashed Jordan Rossiter, one of the worst tackles I have ever seen in training. Rossiter had just come back from about 85 injuries. Alves had that nasty streak in him. Not in a bad way, but in a competitive way if his team was getting battered. Rossiter got up and leathered him five minutes later in a tackle. It was one of those tackles, you see bad ones in training all the time. But boys were like, what is that about? It was trying to injure someone. Despite the horror tackle, Halliday praised Alvis for his defensive attributes. He added, an animal. He was very good, obviously. His career has been unbelievable but obviously he did not make the impact expected from someone of his calibre. The best I have ever seen in the air, unbelievable, would just attack the ball through anyone. Ridiculous. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Time Sport, September 28 Three huge benefits Scotland will enjoy after topping group Report by James Kearney Scotland's goalless draw with Ukraine and Poland secured top spot in Nations League Group B1. Steve Clark's side rounded off their campaign with a hard-earned point in Krakow, and the result was important in more ways than one. When the draw is made for the qualifying groups for the 2024 European Championships to be held in Germany, 
Scotland will now be second seeds and should theoretically receive a kinder draw. By topping the Nations League group, the national team have also guaranteed a playoff spot for the Euros should they fail to qualify through the conventional route. The success extends to the next Nations League campaign also, as group winners Scotland have been promoted to the A band of the competition and will be drawn alongside the continent's heaviest hitters for the next edition of the tournament. The other nations in the A band are Belgium, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Croatia, Denmark, France, Israel, Italy, Germany, Hungary, Netherlands, Poland, Portugal, Serbia, Spain and Switzerland. Report by James Kearney. Evening Times Sport, September 29. Celtic star Matt O'Reilly watched by Premier League Club. Report by David Irvin. Newcastle reportedly sent scouts to watch Matt O'Reilly in action for Denmark under-21s. The Premier League side are thought to have had their recruitment team watch O'Reilly feature in a 2-1 win over Croatia before an eventual loss on penalties. O'Reilly was on the score sheet as he netted the opener for his nation in the match and the Scottish Sun report Newcastle scouts attended the match to get a closer look at O'Reilly. The Magpies were linked with a move for O'Reilly over the summer, with Premier League rivals Leicester also cited with a transfer interest. O'Reilly himself admitted he was aware of interest in taking him back down south, but he insisted Celtic is the perfect place for his development. Speaking earlier this month, O'Reilly said, I know Leicester showed a lot of interest in me, and I think Newcastle were there too, but it wasn't a matter of any of them making a bid. If there's no bid, it's not very concrete in my head. I don't really think about it, because nobody from Celtic told me that, for example, Newcastle had made an offer. It wasn't like that, so there wasn't much to think about, and a lot is also written in the media. It's great to get some recognition, because it means that I'm doing well at Celtic. But as I say, Celtic is the perfect place for me right now. Report by David Irvin. Evening Times Sport, September 29. Steve Clark issues new challenge to his Scotland players. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Steve Clark has challenged his Scotland players to build on their Nations League success by securing Euro 2024 qualification directly after silencing the critics who wanted him out the door. The national team topped Group B1, clinched a Euro 2024 playoff spot and won promotion to the A-League when they drew nothing-nothing with Ukraine and Poland on Tuesday night. The result in Krakow capped a remarkable turnaround in fortunes after defeats to Ukraine in the Qatar 2022 playoff semi-final 
and the Republic of Ireland in the Nations League back in June. Clark has acknowledged that some fans and pundits had been keen to see him sacked as manager after Scotland's bid to reach the World Cup finals ended in failure. However, the 59-year-old is already looking to the future ahead of the draw for the Euro 2024 qualifying stages in Frankfurt on Sunday week. He is eager for John McGinn and his teammates to book their place in the finals in Germany without using their playoff spot and believes they are more than capable of doing so. He said, if you go back to June, some people wanted me out the door. Things can change quickly in football. This has been a good week, but it's about trying to make ourselves better to move things forward again. We have the playoff place just in case we need it, but I don't think with this group of players that we will need it. That's my honest opinion. I think we want to improve. You see it in the players and their performances this week. It's nice to have the safety net of the playoffs, but I feel we can qualify outright. I said we would qualify for Qatar 2022, but we didn't. So I said to the lads, let's get second in the group. They did that. Now we are seeded two. I would expect this team to qualify directly. We carry on. I want to go to Germany. Meanwhile, I want to enjoy this week. I want the Scottish public to enjoy this week. I want the players to go away feeling absolutely brilliant about themselves. But let's not just think that's enough. Let's push for more. That's the message I want to get across. Yes, it's fantastic, but let's see if we can get even better. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Evening Times Sport, September 29. Rangers star Kent told to buck up ideas. Report by Ewan Payton. Rangers star Ryan Kent has been told to buck up his ideas or his next move could be the English Championship. Former Aston Villa star Gabby Agbon Lahore has warned the Rangers attacker that he needs to improve his current form if a switch to the Premier League is to be on the cards. Former Liverpool winger Kent is out of contract come the end of this season. Talks are said to have been ongoing regarding a fresh deal, but no announcement has been made as of yet. As things stand, he will be free to talk to clubs come January as he enters the final six months of his deal. I get Bon Lahore reckons his form hasn't been up to the standard to tempt some big clubs to make a move and he told Football Insider, To be honest, if you're not ripping up trees in the SPFL, then no big club is going to look at you. If he doesn't buck up his ideas and start performing, it's going to affect his next move. He might be looking at the Premier League and end up in the Championship. He has to definitely start performing. When I've watched him recently, he hasn't looked like the Ryan Kent I saw last year. He's definitely got to improve. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, September 29. Peaks and troughs 
Part for the Course for Robert McIntyre Report by Nick Roger We are a fickle old bunch, us Scots. One minute we're hanging up the bunting at a bit of sporting success. The next we are demanding those folk who achieve that bit of success are strung up if things go awry. Robert McIntyre is well aware of the peaks and troughs that are par for the course in the fluctuating fortunes of a professional sport. The 26-year-old goes into this week's Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship with a considerable spring in his step after his recent victory in the Italian Open. The burst of optimism, meanwhile, generated by Scotland's footballers over the last few days, you must have heard about it, has also given this avid follower an extra lifted morale. McIntyre's success and the decent progress of the country's football players in the Nations League help prove a point. Said McIntyre with a show of patriotic fervour that should have been accompanied by a skirrel of the pipes. I am a die-hard Scot. The country means everything to me. In sport, we get knocked down, we get battered, we get told we are not good enough. It's a nationwide thing, and it's always about how we are not doing well enough. But for a small country, I think we punch hard. That's all we can do. I've grown up playing all the sports, and to see Scotland doing so well in so many different sports now, it's brilliant, and it's only going to get better. There were some critics who were doubting whether McIntyre would get that second tour victory. The man himself had his own doubts, but his playoff win over United States Open champion Matt Fitzpatrick in Rome the other week silenced the scoffers. Back on home turf for this autumnal burrow around the old course, Carnoustie and King's Barns, McIntyre, who followed up his thrilling Italian job with a share of eighth in the French Open last weekend, is in fine fettle. This is a different event, and it's nice, relaxed, feel, he said of the lucrative, celebrity-infused Pro-Am. It's my sixth event in a row, but hopefully I can go out, cruise around a little bit, and enjoy myself. Mother Nature might have something to say about that, mind you. Friday doesn't look great, he said, of a forecast that looks as gloomy as Sonny Bean's cave. But we'll just go out there and give it our best. It's more a mental test when that weather comes in. It's a damage limitation job, and I don't mind it. At the end of the day, it's another challenge. A buoyant McIntyre is clearly up for this particular challenge. And he added, My game is in good shape. I've been looking at stats for the last five weeks. And obviously I've seen a trend. It was looking good. But getting results is a different story and to finally see some good performances is always a bonus. As well as being in good shape on the golf course, McIntyre is also in good shape generally. And he said, I built a gym and everything at home. It's a habit you've got to change and I can't change it on the road without changing it at home. So I started doing gym work at home and then just tried to do it twice a week on the road. 
He still allows himself those soothing indulgences, though. I had two tea cakes last night and a little custard doughnut on the course today, he said with a guilty grin. So I'm not a lean, mean fighting machine. Report by Nick Roger Evening Times Sport, September 29 Loza increases options ahead of Scotland Women's World Cup playoffs. Report by Alan Campbell Pedro Martinez Loza has named a slightly bigger squad of 25 players for the World Cup playoff match against Austria on October 6 at Hamden and potentially a second round game against the Republic of Ireland at the National Stadium five days later. AC Milan winger Christy Grimshaw and Aston Villa's Kirsty Hansen, who is also a wide player, return. Three other players, including 92 times capped West Ham forward Lisa Evans, are also back after being included in the previous squad but dropping out with injury before the final group qualifier against the Faroe Islands earlier this month. Martinez Loza said, The players are comfortable and feel good about what we are doing. We won't be changing much. We are lucky to be playing potentially two games at home, so we do not need to travel, which is a big benefit. We will stick to our regular routine and will work on the emotional aspects of these games and give the girls the confidence they need. Speaking about the return of Grimshaw, who scored two goals in the qualifying campaign, the Scotland head coach said, she is playing with AC Milan and performing very well. She can play in the right or in the middle as an attacking midfielder. She is an excellent character as well as bringing big attributes to the team. She is a great addition to have back in. Austria, at 20, are three places ahead of Scotland in the FIFA rankings, while the Republic of Ireland managed by former Scotland head coach Vera Pau, are three places below. The Austrians lost one knot to tournament winners England in the opening match of Euro 22, but beat Northern Ireland and Norway in the group before losing 2-0 to eventual finalist Germany in the quarter-finals. Even if Scotland win both the Hamden games, they will not be guaranteed a place in the World Cup. Only the two best second round winners will qualify automatically for Australia and New Zealand, with the third having to take their chances in the 10-team Inter-Confederation playoffs in New Zealand in February. Results in the group stage are also taken into account when deciding which of the second round winners qualify automatically and Scotland are currently ranked only sixth of the nine nations involved in the playoffs. The other nations in the confederation playoffs are Chinese Taipei, Thailand, Cameroon, Senegal, Haiti, Panama, Chile, Paraguay and Papua New Guinea. Report by Alan Campbell Evening Times Sport, September 29 
old course still serves up good memories for Rory McIlroy. Report by Nick Roger. Back in July, long before the pound had plummeted to about the same value as a thimbleful of soot, Rory McIlroy would have given a few quid for an eagle on the final hole of the old course during that epic Open Championship de Noumont in St Andrews. Amid a fluctuating, fraught and flabbergasting finale to the 150th staging of golf's most cherished major, the Northern Irishman needed a two on the last to force a playoff with the inspired Cameron Smith. It did not happen, of course, and not for the first time in a Grand Slam event, McElroy was left to reflect on what might have been. Yesterday, on a relaxed return to the All Grey Toon for this week's Alfred Dunhill Links Championship, the Northern Irishman did make an eagle on the 18th during a practice round. You could just about hear those mischievous golfing gods cackling themselves hoarse. The Open was undoubtedly a Syrian to stomach, but it was all part of a sporting life's rich tapestry in this very special place for McElroy. St Andrews, after all, was the venue where he earned his European tour card for the first time back in the 2007 Dunhill Lynx Championship. He's done pretty well since then, hasn't he? There are lots of great memories here for me, Dad, and for my family, said McElroy, who will once again partner his dad, Jerry, in this week's pro-arm affair. I feel like it's where my professional career really began and really took off. I got my European tour card 15 years ago at this golf course, and it's been a pretty great journey since. I always have a deep appreciation for St Andrews and what it means to our game. I think that's more important than me trying to win an Open Championship here. This course and what it means will stand the test of time. I'm in the game for a finite time and one day I'll move on and leave the game to the younger generation. When I look back over the 15 years since I won my card here, it's been an amazing life, an amazing career. But you still have to remember where you came from. I have to pinch myself sometimes, and I have to give myself that little perspective. Even just being in that position at the Open, to have a chance to win on 18 at St Andrews, it's just stuff that you dream about as a kid. I get to live out my childhood dreams, and not everybody can say that. It's been a lively old year for McElroy. On the course, the world number two has illuminated a fine campaign with victories in the Canadian Open and the Tour Championship. Off it, he has assumed a statesman-like role in the ongoing LIV golf controversy that continues to give the global game the kind of heebie-jeebies that Truss and Quateng have given the IMF. Amid the divisive tumult at the top of the tree, Michael Roy is well aware of professional golf's place in the wider scheme of this all-embracing game.
He said, the professional game is such a small part of golf. Golf is so much bigger than all of us, and sometimes people miss that. I thought the 150th Open Championship was really a feel-good moment for the year. It was way bigger than all this crap we've talked about all year. It was St Andrews and tradition and where the game was created and where it was built. That's golf at the end of the day. We're all playing the same game. Sometimes our vision of what that game should be is a little bit different, but it's a wonderful game and it's a game that can be played for life. My two-year-old daughter can swing a club and hit a ball with my dad. That's one of the most special things about our game that has been lost in all this rhetoric the last few weeks. As for all that heated LIV golf, toing and froing, well McElroy adopted his usual stance. He said, I've always said that I think there's a time and a place where everyone that's involved should sit down and try to work together. I don't want a fractured game. I never have. The game of golf is ripping itself apart right now, and that's no good for anyone. Report by Nick Roger Evening Time Sport, September 29 James Tavarni points to Celtic two-point gap as Skipper brushes off early season criticism. Report by Ewan Payton. James Tavarni knows that Rangers' start to the Premiership season has not been perfect. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's men drop points at Easter Road after going down to nine men against Hibs. They also fell to a heavy 4-0 defeat at the hands of arch-rival Celtic. Despite that though, the skipper is keen to highlight that the gap to the champions is only two points at the summit of the league table. So while the hoops have been earning praise from many, Tavarni insists the title battle is firmly still alive. He told Rangers TV, Obviously, the first block of games... We were disappointed with the Hibs game and losing the men and taking a point there. The performance at Parkhead, we didn't like that performance at all that we put in. But we are only two points in it in the league, so there are a lot of games to play. It is still early in the season. The boys are raring to go to get it kicked off again. The Champions League, we wanted more out of the Ajax game. We wanted to implement our style of play, which we didn't do. I thought we did that against Napoli and for 60 minutes we played really well. Then you go to 10 men and it can be a struggle. We conceded three penalties. Alan McGregor has done wonders to save two, but that is football at the end of the day. We are relishing the task in hand and the games in hand. We are not far away. It is only two points and we have only played the first block of the season. There are plenty of games to play so it is down to us to keep our standards and the levels of consistency going through the games to create a real good momentum heading into the games. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport, September 30
Concelia says Celtic countrymen made him ditch Rangers. Report by David Barnes. Glasgow Warriors winger Sebastian Cancelier flitted with becoming a Rangers fan last season, but says his heart is now green and white after befriending Celtic fullback and fellow Argentinian Alexandro Bernabe. I know Alexandro and we've got together a few times, said Cancelier who is one of four Argentinians currently on the books at Warriors. We found out that there was an Argentinian at Celtic and we sent him a message. So we're friends of Berna, as we call him. He's a good guy. Everyone else here at the club seems to be a Rangers fan. So last year we went to the Rangers game in the Europa League semi-final against RB Leipzig at Ibrox and they won. But now Bernabe is playing at Celtic. I have the Celtic jersey on. We already went to watch Celtic when they played against Real Madrid. It was good fun and hopefully he will now come to some of our games here. He wants to do that. Cancelia admitted that the switch in allegiance has not gone down well with some of his Rangers supporting teammates and he laughed. They don't like it a lot now that I am a Celtic fan, especially Duncan Weir, but my heart is now green and white. Back home I support River Plate and I've been to the derbies against Boca at the Monumental Stadium. That's a massive game, but I would have to say the atmosphere at Celtic against Real Madrid was amazing as well. Both of the stadiums are really good. It was a great spectacle to watch. Hopefully one day we can reach the same atmosphere for games here at Glasgow Warriors. Bernabe, who signed for Celtic from Lanus in a £3.75 million deal in June, has managed only two appearances for his new club so far and the 22-year-old found himself in hot water last month when he was charged by police following an alleged road traffic incident in Glasgow city centre. Meanwhile, Cancelier says he is focused on maintaining the form he showed when helping Warriors to an excellent 52-24 win over Cardiff last Friday night in the hope that he can push his way back into international contention after missing out on Argentina's summer test series against Scotland and their recent rugby championship campaign. The Pumas are going to play three games in Europe this autumn, including a clash against Scotland at Murrayfield on November 19, as the build-up to the 2023 World Cup in France begins in earnest. Said Cancelier, of course it's always an aim to play for my country, it's a massive honour. It's what all players want. So that's my aim, to get back into the Argentinian squad ahead of the World Cup. To do that, I know I have to do my job here and do it well, because there is a massive competition in Argentina in the back three, but there's massive competition at Glasgow as well. 
I have had a few conversations with Michael Chaker, the Argentinian head coach. After the games against Scotland in the summer, I didn't have any new conversations, but of course it's natural that he has a lot of things to do. I know that they're following every player here in Europe, so I know what I have to do. There are a lot of Arties here at Glasgow, so hopefully that means they will watch our games even more closely. Glasgow are away to the Ospreys this weekend as they look to break a six-match losing streak on the road. And Cancelier acknowledged, if you want to be a top team, as we do, then you have to win away. Hopefully this weekend we are going to go for it. At home, with the fans at your field, with the atmosphere, it's always different. We always feel really comfortable playing at home, but we have to win away. That's a big challenge. The best teams do that. It's the same posts and field. Some are 4G and some natural grass, but we are used to both, so we should be able to do it. It's a challenge and we want to accept that challenge. We have a new coach and we're getting adapted to him. We want to be a much fitter team than we were last year. That's a big aim in our minds. So we are getting used to what Franco wants and understanding the way he wants to play. He knows too that we want to play fast. So it's a great mix. We're building things step by step. Hopefully we will have a great season ahead. Report by David Barnes. Evening Times Sport, September 30. Wraith Rovers release David Goodwillie as club vowed to make no further comment. Report by Aidan Smith. Wraith Rovers have released David Goodwillie after controversially signing the striker in January. The 32-year-old who was found by a judge in a civil case in 2017 to have raped a woman had joined Wraith from Clyde at the end of the window. As a result of the move, several prominent supporters, directors and sponsors, including high-profile author Val McDermott, withdrew their backing of Wraith while two of the six club directors quit. Wraith subsequently apologised, confirming Goodwillie would not be playing for them, and they reviewed the forward's contractual position, having signed a two-and-a-half-year deal, as well as the composition of their board. The club have now confirmed that Goodwillie has left the club. A statement read, The club can confirm that David Goodwillie has been released from his contract with immediate effect, the club will make no further comment. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Times Sport, September 30. Tom Rogic in line for West Brom debut. Report by Aidan Smith. Steve Bruce has revealed that Tom Rogic is in line to make his West Brom debut this weekend after stepping up his fitness work over the international break. The Celtic hero linked up with the Baggies this summer 
after departing Parkhead at the end of the season. Rodjic will be aiming to gain some crucial minutes ahead of the World Cup this November, with Australia primed for the tournament later this year. The Aussie midfielder is yet to make his championship debut for his new club, but Bruce has revealed that he could feature against Swansea. The West Brom manager said he will be involved. These last couple of weeks have allowed us to get plenty of intense work into him in a bid to get him as close to where we need him to be in a physical sense. He's crammed a lot of work in over the last 10 days. Having watched him over the international break in training, he's a very, very good footballer. I'm sure he's going to be a big addition for us. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Time Sport, September 30 Scotland versus Turkey friendly in doubt after knives thrown Report by Mark Walker Scotland's next match in Turkey is in serious doubt at the proposed venue of Diyarbakir after a match there was halted when fans threw knives at the players and chanted terrorist slogans. Steve Clark's side won promotion this week in the Nations League to the top flight after a hard-fought goalless draw in Poland against Ukraine. Their last game of 2022 was scheduled to be in November at the Kurdish stronghold city of Diyarbakir, which was set to hold its first ever international match after tensions in the city between Kurdish separatist groups and government forces eased recently. Both Turkey manager Stefan Kuntz and Turkish FA president Mehmet Büyükese had confirmed the game would be played in the southern city. However, a riot at a second division weekend game in the city has cast serious doubt on the game going ahead. Ahmed Sport's 2-0 win over Bursa Sport was overshadowed by riots in the stadium by the home supporters, with missiles thrown at Bursa Sport players including a knife and several glass bottles. They had to be protected by the riot police as the referee took them off the pitch. Additionally, home supporters sang and displayed banners supporting the band PKK, the Kurdistan Workers' Party, which is labelled a terrorist party by the Turkish government and the USA. Turkish FA chiefs immediately hit the club with a two-game ground closure and the match against Scotland could now be set to be rearranged to another city in the country. The Turkish Ministry of Interior stated, an investigation was immediately launched into these actions. Despite all the security measures taken in the match, supporters managed to smuggle in weapons by wrapping them around their bodies. Those who want to poison the sport with provocative content will not be given the opportunity under any circumstances. Report by Mark Walker Evening Times Sport 
October 3 Kenny Dalglish backs Celtic manager on going offensive in Champions League Report by Matthew Lindsay Kenny Dalglish has backed Ange Postacoglu's decision to go on the offensive in the Champions League this season ahead of Celtic's third Group F game against RB Leipzig in Germany on Wednesday night. Dalglish has been impressed with the football the Scottish champions have produced in Europe's Premier Club competition, even though they have lost to holders Real Madrid at home and failed to beat Shakhtar Donetsk away. Postikoglu has persevered with the Ball tactics, which helped the Glasgow Giants to land the Singe Premiership title and Premier Sports Cup during his debut season in the dugout in Scotland last term. Some fans and pundits believe the Greek-Australian coach should adopt a more defensive approach against the cream of the continent to reach the knockout rounds. But former Liverpool, Blackburn Rovers and Newcastle United manager Dalglish disagrees. Celtic went in against the holders in their first game and I feel they adapted themselves very well in the first half, he said at the Scottish FA Grassroots Awards presented by McDonald's at Hamden. They did particularly well. They are not the first team that Real Madrid are going to beat. They are undefeated in the Spanish league. Celtic were firing on all cylinders in the first 45 minutes against Real Madrid. It would have been interesting if Callum McGregor, who hit the bar, had scored. If that shot had gone in during the first half, it may have been different. In the second half, Real showed they are not the European champions for any reason other than they are a great team. You don't know what the results are going to be, but you just have to keep persevering. If you are the manager, you can only play the way you know best, and that's what he wants to do. It has been so successful for him. That's what got him here in the first place. So why change it? Go with what you are happy with, and what your players are happy with. Unless you can get the players to turn around and change the style of play, you are not going to be able to do that. They are set in their ways. They are in control for most games. Report by Matthew Lindsay Evening Times Sport October 2 Dalglish backs Rangers Over hundreds of millions outcry Report by Matthew Lindsay As a three-time winner of Europe's Premier Club competition during his acclaimed playing days Kenny Douglas has a fair idea of the levels of excellence which have to be attained on the park to lift the Champions League. As a non-executive director of Liverpool, who have reached three finals in the past five seasons and lifted the Continental Games' greatest prize for a sixth occasion back in 2019, he is acutely aware of how much investment is required of it to prevail. So Dalglish could not understand the outcry after Rangers manager Giovanni van Bronckhorst stated that hundreds of millions of pounds are needed 
to compete. There was outrage when the Dutchman made his remarks in the wake of a heavy 4-0 defeat to Ajax. Opponents who had lavished just shy of 100 million euros on new recruits during the summer. But Dalglish agrees with the former Champions League winner. That's what I said at the outset, he said at the Scottish FA Grassroots Awards presented by McDonald's at Hamden. It is not outrageous to think you're not going to win, is it? It is just a fact of life. You have stepped in with the big boys. Yet the Glaswegian, a boyhood Rangers fan, who signed for Celtic as a kid and went on to be an all-time parkhead great, will not rule out the Iberts club producing an upset and getting a result against Liverpool at Anfield tomorrow evening. Jurgen Klopp's side are, despite the indifferent form they have produced at times in the 2022-23 campaign, widely expected to overcome Van Bronckhurst's team easily on Merseyside and take a step towards the knockout rounds. Having been on the receiving end of a 4-1 drubbing by Patrick Thistle in the League Cup final at Hamden in 1971, Dalglish knows far better than to take any result for granted. Said Dalglish, It is definitely a step up to what Rangers have been used to. It is the top competition, isn't it? It is probably the top competition in football. For them to go in against the top teams is tough. But they are better off being there and competing than getting knocked out in the playoffs. It is the first year in a while that they have been in. That is progress in itself. If they can get themselves a couple of positive results, then obviously that will not do them any harm. I think they knew what to expect. How you deal with it is a different thing. It is a big ask, but that is not to say they cannot compete. That is not to say they won't get a result. In a one-off game, you can always get an upset. There is nothing that is a formality. Dalglish watched Rangers play Napoli in the second Group A match in Govan last month and felt, despite the 3-0 reverse they were on the receiving end, they acquitted themselves well against Serie A rivals who had beaten Liverpool 4-1 in Italy the previous week. He believes James Tavani and his teammates can, despite being bottom of their section without any points after two games, despite conceding seven goals and despite not scoring once, give a decent account of themselves on Merseyside and surprise a few people if they reproduce that display. He said, Rangers got a rude awakening in their first game against a good Ajax side, but Ajax played very well at Anfield. In the game against Napoli at Ibrooks, they got two penalty decisions given against them and were on the wrong end of some 50-50 decisions. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened in the game against Napoli if the decisions had not gone against them. It is hypothetical, but they might have come away with something. Nobody likes to lose, but you still have got to assess who you are playing against and what level you are at. 
Rangers haven't done that badly, although obviously they would have liked to have done a lot better. It is a hard shout for Rangers to go in against Liverpool, but it is a hard shout for Liverpool as well to go in against Rangers. They have lost two games, but they have still not done too badly. Liverpool is a difficult game for them. It will be good to see it. You just have to do as well as you can. Come away from there and make sure that even if you have lost, you have done the best you can. You get to play against the top teams in the Champions League and Liverpool are a top team. Their games against them are back to back, so their destination could be sorted out in the next couple of weeks. Liverpool bounced back from their mauling in Naples when they, aged, when they edged out Ajax 2-1 in the following Group A game the very next week. Will their lack of competitive action work against them when they play Rangers? Or will the time off have allowed injured players to return and make them stronger? Andy Robertson, the Scotland captain who missed the Nations League triple header, is on the verge of making a comeback. His compatriot is unsure how the irregular build-up will affect his old side. Said Dalglish, Liverpool have had time to get some players back fit with the break, but the momentum has been stalled, hasn't it? Brighton is the only game they have had, and European level is unbelievable. In the past Battle of Britain games between Scottish and English clubs, they have been fiercely contested. However, Dalglish does not expect the meeting between Liverpool and Rangers to be any different from other Champions League encounters. He said, I don't think it is a leveller. Not if you have a foreign referee. Look what happened with Rangers in the last game with a foreign referee. He refereed it the way he would in his own country, Spain. It is not like the old days where it was a lot more physical. Yes, it is competitive, but it is not as physical as it used to be, so you won't get away with it. Certainly the Liverpool players are not going to be any worse, are they? Rangers are depending on themselves being a lot better. It will be good to see. Report by Matthew Lindsay Evening Times Sport October 3 New TV deal should provide boost to every SWPL club, says Alan Campbell. Celtic's defence of what is now known as the Sky Sports Cup started at lunchtime yesterday when they played at Patty Thistle at Peters Hill Park. The second round fixtures follow Tuesday's announcement that the broadcaster had agreed an unprecedented seven-season television and sponsorship deal with the SWPL. While the value was not divulged, creditable sources have assured me it is worth just under £4 million. That's a phenomenal sum in the context of previous commercial deals for the domestic game in Scotland, and it will benefit all 20 clubs as well as raising the profile of the sport and making it easier to attract further partners. In addition to their League Cup sponsorship, Sky will have the rights to a minimum of five live matches each season. 
The deal supplements the existing broadcasting agreements with BBC Alapa and BBC Scotland. It doesn't take a genius to work out that one of this season's five live games is almost certain to be the Sky Sports Cup final. Nor would it be widely speculative to suggest that the historic first match is likely to be between Rangers and Celtic on November 27. It ticks all the boxes for the broadcaster, especially if the game is played at Ibrox. Given the level of the sponsorship, Fiona McIntyre was obviously very upbeat about Tuesday's landmark announcement. It's the start of a new era for us, the SWPL chief executive confirmed. It also very much vindicates the club's decision earlier this year that the SPFL was the correct place for them to go. A big driver of that was the belief they could get better commercial revenue and better visibility. What this deal does is reset in people's minds what's possible for women's football in Scotland. We know countries like England are making a lot of progress and we don't want to be left behind. And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening. <laughs>